night is over. Guys, I am very excited, and you should be too, because the best part of the year for college basketball is here. The regular season is done, so are conference tournaments, the bracket has been revealed, and soon enough, we get March Madness. I'm Lila Bromberg. Welcome to Beyond the Bracket, a special edition series of a Sportsbeat KC podcast that's here to get you ready for the NCAA tournament. Presented by the First Federal Bank of Kansas City. I'm joined by two insiders into two teams that are on the top two seed lines of a bracket reveal. I'm so excited to have on Jesse Newell, who covers the number one seeded Kansas Jayhawks for us here at the Kansas City Star, and John Clay, a columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader, who covers Kentucky, which is a two seed. Thank you guys so much for hopping on. Thanks, Thanks for having us. So the bracket was revealed. We're recording this on Monday. You might be listening on Tuesday or later in the week. The bracket was revealed on Sunday night as our one seeds. You've got Gonzaga in the West, Arizona in the South, Kansas in the Midwest, and Baylor in the East. We're going to get into all the different regions and break everything down, talk about some games that we're excited for, what we think of how everything was seeding, talk about some teams that have a chance to make a run, some high seeds, what lower seeds we think could have some potential to cause some madness here. And lastly, we'll end it like we always do with our final four picks. Jesse, I'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the bracket reveal? Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's been years where there's been some major gripes and and teams that felt like they should have got in, but I don't think I had too many major issues with it. I think some teams being seated where they were were a little bit of a surprise to me. And you know this from Lila from talking to me on the previous podcast. A team like Houston to me, um, that 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 as a five seed is is really really underseeded um, based on what they've accomplished, what they did early in the season, late in the season, margin of victory, strength of record, whatever metric you want to use for them to be that low. I think probably just speaks to their conference and not getting much respect there. But this is a team that was in the final four a year ago, and uh, I think could obviously make some noise there. I, a little bit surprised a team like Oklahoma got left out, and uh, I know there were other ones on the bubble that were um, surprised that a team like Dayton got in over them. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think all in all, uh, nothing too crazy. And, and uh, I'm sorry that Dayton didn't get in. A lot of people were saying Dayton was going to get in, but um, all in all, I think it's. Uh, you know, I think the bracket's out now. People are ready to move forward and ready to talk about the picks and some of the sleepers and everything else that goes with the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Oklahoma had beaten Baylor in the Big 12 tournament as a big win there on their schedule, had a win over Texas Tech, but, you know, had kind of gone, had some bad losing streaks there in the Big 12, ended up finishing 30th in Ken Palm. Uh, and yeah, that was one of the surprises left out there. Uh, Oklahoma also finished 39th in the net. Uh, they were four and 12 in quad one, six and two in quad two. Another team that was left out, and John, you got to watch them live at the SEC tournament, was Texas AM, which made a run to the SEC tournament finals uh, and, you know, ended up being one of the last teams left out. Do you think Texas AM should have made the field? What do you think about them being left out of the bracket? Well, I think they're I think they're certainly as good and playing as well as a lot of these teams who made it into the bracket at the end of the year. I think if you look at their whole body of work, though, I think probably uh, that that eight uh, game losing streak mm-hmm. that AM had in the middle of the SEC season probably was something the committee couldn't get past, especially when 
you know, uh, so we're told they they are no longer, and for several years now, they no longer just look, you know, put a lot of emphasis on those final 10 games where Texas A&M played really well, especially in the tournament, uh, where they knocked off Auburn and Arkansas before losing to Tennessee in the final. But they look at the whole body of work, and I think that's probably what kept Texas A&M out. But as far as how they're playing right now, I think they're certainly playing as well as a lot of those teams who got in uh, on the back end of the uh, at-large uh, participants in the tournament. Right. And so you cover Kentucky, which is on the two seed line. And I guess we can start with that le- that region la- uh, first, even though that was the last reveal, but we can maybe start there. I thought Kentucky ended up in, in my opinion, what's one of the tougher regions of the bracket. I, you know, in my reaction piece said that I think it's the toughest there. You've got Baylor as the one seed, Kentucky as the two seed, Purdue as the three seed, UCLA as the four seed uh, right there in that region. You've got St. Mary's at the five, Texas as a six. You've got some exciting mid-major teams in there as well. I don't love that Murray State and San Francisco have to play a first round matchup because I, I, I like both those teams and thought they could both be an upset to kind of go go far in the tournament. Uh, what is your reaction, John, to the East section of this bracket. Yeah, you know, uh, not not a, not a big surprise that Kentucky's a number two seed. I know uh, mm-hmm. Joe Lenardi apparently said before Kentucky uh, played Tennessee in this SEC tournament semifinal that if Kentucky won that game, they he thought they would be a one seed. But then, of course, Kentucky lost to Tennessee. I think you could make a really strong case that Tennessee deserved a two over yeah. Kentucky considering Tennessee beat them head-to-head two out of three. Tennessee had a really good record against quad one, quad two, playing really good basketball here at the end of the year. I think they were 15-2 and two since Kentucky beat them at Rupp Arena. Uh, you know, we talk about in the tournament about it being matchups, and I think you've got some interesting matchups for Kentucky if they go through the bracket. As you mentioned, Murray State and San Francisco, Murray State, you know, 30-2, and two, an in-state school, obviously would be pumped if they play Kentucky. But like you mentioned, San Francisco is really good as well. I was, I thought both those teams should have been seeded, should have gotten better seeds. I think San Francisco's mm-hmm. 21 in Ken Palm, Murray State's 27 in Ken Palm, and you've got a seven against a 10. And if Kentucky can get by that round, then they play Purdue. And as you know, on our previous podcast, Lala, I picked Purdue at that time as a Final Four team. I backed off that a little bit, but I think, they would be a tough matchup for Kentucky because bigs have given Oscar Shibway problems. Obviously, Purdue has a couple of bigs and uh, Edie and Williams. And then uh, Jaden Ivey, he's a matchup nightmare for anybody. So, they're, you know, I think some people are saying, well, I think Kentucky, I think Vital said he thought Kentucky had a good draw. I see where you can kind of make that case, but on a matchup game by game basis, if I'm Kentucky, I'm a little worried about those matchups. So you brought up Tennessee and that was a team I should have brought up before as I think a, a team that kind of got uh, the worst bit of it in terms of where teams were seated. I really thought that Tennessee after winning the SEC tournament was going to get on the two seed line, especially I didn't think over Kentucky, but I was thinking especially over Duke yeah. uh, because Duke had lost to Virginia tech in the ACC finals. They also lost to Uh, North Carolina in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor and Bart Torvik posted what I thought was really interesting looking at the team sheet ranks of Tennessee and Duke. You look at Tennessee uh, and and Duke in the net, 
Tennessee is seven. Duke is 12 uh, in KPI. Tennessee is four. Duke is 14. Strength of record. Uh, sorry, I just had that pull up there. Strength of record. You've got Tennessee at three, Duke at 11. And that's just overall. You look at non-conference and Tennessee is a stronger there as well. Um, you look at BPI, Sagarin, Ken Palm, just anything across the board, quadrant one wins, quadrant two wins, uh, in terms of Duke having a quadrant three loss and Tennessee not having any, like you just kind of look across the board and Tennessee was the better team. Jesse, what did you think of that there of Tennessee being seated three and how does that kind of compare to what you've seen in the past of how uh, teams are seated, especially when they're playing on that Sunday? Well, yeah, no, I think you hit on it. Um, I can make it pretty simple because, you know, I, I talk so much about this because of how I do my poll. But if you're looking at the best teams, you know, the ones we look at by possession by possession data, the most accurate things we have as close to Vegas spreads as we get, you look at Ken Palm. OK, and that's kind of the middle of the road analytics one, basically the most accepted Duke's 12 and Tennessee seven. So, hey, if you want to take the best team, you take Tennessee. Uh, if you want to go to Wins above bubble, which is we're talking about strength of record. Hey, how well do you do against your schedule compared to how a bubble team would do against your schedule? You look at that, Tennessee is fourth, Duke is, you know, 11th. So whichever metric you want to use, uh, Tennessee was better over the course of the season, but Duke is Duke. So, um, yeah, again, those are the discussions that uh, I'm sure were had in the committee. And sometimes I think this is where the human element might lose some of this uh, potentially, because I don't know what discussions could be had to put Tennessee below Duke, but um, that's why everybody watches the selection show. And that's why it's so important to talk about this because the draw is the draw. You know what I mean? And you don't get to pick it. And sometimes percentage points of potentially you making the final four of the championship are all determined by some committee where it's a little bit of a black box. So I agree with you on every point that you made. And, uh, unfortunately this is one that they got wrong and it's going to affect a couple teams. But as we know, in March, if you win your games in front of you, you're going to be just fine. And so that's what Tennessee and Duke need to do, um, with the specific roads that they got. Right. And so just to have the update there, Duke was kind of interesting. Duke asked to be put in the in the Midwest region to be in Coach K's hometown of Chicago. They didn't get the Midwest or the East. Uh, they're going to end up in the West region of the bracket. And then uh, Tennessee, I'm just looking at my bracket right now. They're going to be in the, in the South regional as that three seed. Uh, you were there at the SEC tournament, John. I mean, do you think it's kind of hurt the SEC to have that championship game on a Sunday? Do you think that might affect moving forward if they decide, hey, maybe we should have the conference tournament moved up a little bit and have it end on a Saturday? As somebody who's covered the SEC for a long time, we've had that discussion uh, for many years now. And it's a, it's a there is no doubt that it, it is affected or really that it's had no effect on the committee playing it on Sunday, no matter what happens on Sunday, mm -hmm. the committee, they don't seem to care about the, the SEC championship game. So yeah, I think it does hurt them, uh, but they're not going to change. So they get the, you know, ESPN has them slotted into that Sunday spot. That's where the money is. So they're not going to change because of it, but I think it definitely hurt Tennessee. I think it definitely hurt Texas A&M. Uh, it didn't help either one of those, but do I expect it to change in the future? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So back to that East Regional, Jesse, when you look at that with Baylor and Kentucky, I think when we did some of the 
podcast earlier on, those were two teams that I thought could make a final four produce in there as well. Those were names that were all mentioned when we've done previous versions of this podcast as teams that could possibly make a final four. Who do you like to come out of that region? Well, I've, I've loved Baylor all year, but I loved Baylor all year before Kentucky was in their bracket. Um, so yeah, no, I, I actually like the Wildcats. You know, I, I think that uh, obviously she the player of the year candidate has been great for them all year. Um, Ty Ty's another dynamic player. John Calipari's been there before. And out of all these elite coaches, he's the one that potentially, if you look over the course of time, has done better in the tournament than what he's done in the regular season. So um, that's a tough racket. That's a tough regional, all those sorts of things. And I love Baylor. I've loved him throughout the course of the season, but uh, I think Kentucky's better than Baylor. And so if you're just asking me to pick right now, I, I would take the Wildcats to go to the final four. Not, not, that's not just because John's here either. <laughs> If, if you guys are looking at that region, looking at a team that come out to come out that is less than that is a four seed or lower, maybe not necessarily final four, but to at least kind of get to the elite eight in that region. Is there someone you like there? I guess, John, is there anyone you like there? That's oh, kind is that of a for four me? Seed or uh, lower? You, nah, not really. I mean, uh, I like Virginia Tech to knock off Texas in the first round. I think uh, Virginia Tech, you know, I think they're a team that probably wouldn't even have gotten in the tournament if they not made the run that they had in the ACC. But I do think Mike Young is a really good coach. He was coach at uh, Wofford when Kentucky played him a couple of years, a few years ago in the tournament. I think he's done a really good job. I like them to make a run. Like I said before, I like Purdue, but they're a three seed, so that's not really an upset there. I'm kind of the opposite. Jesse's the Big 12 guy who likes Kentucky. I'm the SEC guy who likes <laughs> Baylor in that situation. <laughs> of course, a lot, and Jesse can speak to this more than I can. You know, how, what's the situation with uh, with Cryer, with LJ Cryer, with that foot injury? You know, uh, is he going to be able to play or not? But uh, the thing that worries me about Kentucky, and I think about the old joke about two beat writers talking to each other before the game, and the one beat writer says, my team's not going to win. They're not any good. And the other <laughs> beat writer says, my team's not going to win. They're not any good. I know your team's going to win. Kind of, after you watch them all year, you see all their flaws, and you think in the tournament the flaws are going to show up. I just uh, – with Kentucky – it just to me, there's a lot of landmines between there and the final before they get there. But I, I like Baylor. I just feel like Baylor has that attitude, even though they're a different team than last year. They've got they've set that standard now uh, that the players want to carry on. So I like Baylor, but I also I'd like them a lot more if we knew what the situation what their health situation was too. I think the good news, John, is that whatever their health situation's been, they've just kind of stayed pretty steady throughout the course of this yeah. year. You know, they've got some good players, whether it's you know, um, Akinjo, who was, you know, conference or one of the all big 12 team members. Uh, you know, you talk about Kendall Brown, who's super athletic, Matthew Meyer, who's a guy who can shoot and fill it up. And obviously Jeremy Sohan came on late in the year. He dominated Kansas. He's a big man who's very versatile, can drive the basket, all those sorts of things. So yeah, it's a credit to Scott Drew for doing that. If that ended up in the elite eight, that's, that's a great game. But to answer your original question, Lila, I think, I'm going to answer your question with your original statement, which was, I think this is top heavy regional. So I don't really like any of those bottom seeded teams because mm -hmm. I really like all the top seeds. And with injuries, John, what is the latest with Kentucky and, and where they're at health wise? They're, they're probably as healthy now as they've been in a while. Uh, Ty Ty Washington didn't seem to have any problems in the SEC tournament with that ankle. Severe Wheeler seems to be okay. Now, the, that Jacob Toppin did suffer a broken nose in the Vanderbilt game. He had to wear a mask in the second half. 
it was funny because after the game, Severe Wheeler was talking about, you know, Jacob was really good. He brought a lot of energy. You know, we couldn't understand what he was saying through that mask, but he was doing a lot of talking. And uh, we asked Toppin about that yesterday. He said he got a better mask for the next game. Uh, but overall, I think they're probably as healthy as they've been in a while. And UCLA is in that region as well as a team that went to a Final Four last year and was picked, you know, if if I recall correctly, number two in, in the preseason poll or somewhere in that top five and was expected to be a really good team and just has kind of underperformed all year, but they still have all of those pieces pretty much there. Is there any chance that they finally figure it out this time of year, you think, Jesse, or you think that they're just kind of not going to live up to that potential? Well, they're good. I, I have the same problem with them as everybody else, which is all the, you know, I'm going to use John's word landmines in front of them. And honestly, I, honestly, I think that might be why I like Kentucky a little bit more than Baylor here is that four five game UCLA St. Mary's, whoever wins that has to play Baylor. I mean, good luck, Baylor. That's a tough opponent. Um, I know that Kentucky, we have to play Purdue potentially Purdue has kind of been to me up and down, up and down. I mean, when their offense is going, they're really difficult, but there's times they kind of stink it up defensively and don't look like themselves and they can lose by quite a bit too. So um, I, I'm not loving Baylor's path to even get to an elite eight. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, UCLA could definitely do it. It's a one and done tournament. And, uh, it, and we've said it before this, this region is as top heavy as any of them. So uh, if one of those teams makes a little bit of a run, that's not going to be a surprise at all. I could honestly see Wyoming or Indiana, whoever wins that play-in game, beating St. Mary's. You know, Indiana has kind of put that little run together in the Big Ten tournament, and they've surprised me with some results this year. And I think Wyoming's a really fun team to watch and has a really great offense that could be fun as well. Yeah, just a tough region. I think you'll see, you know, I think I'm going to have Kentucky coming out of that region as well, but there's just so much potential for something to happen there and just so top heavy. I think it's by far the worst, you know, region to be a one or two seed in and just because there's, there's so many teams. And if you're a lower seeded team in that region, it's going to be really, really tough. We'll move on to the West side of the bracket as well, where you have Gonzaga as the number one seed. Duke is the two seed on the three seed line. You have Texas tech. The four is Arkansas, and the five is UConn. And then at six is Alabama, a team that (laughs) I think is going to, you know, no matter what, just give some people some trouble with their bracket. If you're listening and have not been paying attention to college basketball as much and and you're just kind of tuning in now, I would not pick Alabama to win many games, or maybe they will. You really don't know. They're such a sporadic team. Who's to say? Also in that region, Michigan State as the seventh seed. Uh, And, you know, we can kind of get into some of those later seeds in that region as well as we get into talking about this all here. Jesse, who do you like in this West region? Uh, Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chalk me me up on this one. You know, I talked with you a couple weeks ago, Lila, on this podcast about I love UConn. Um, You know, I think they're a team that probably some of the underlying numbers say has performed better than um, what it's shown this season. But I don't love them as a Sweet 16 matchup against Gonzaga. Um, out of the rest of them, you know, I, we just talked about Duke being overseeded to me and Texas Tech is probably underseeded. They had mm-hmm. a really good run through the Big 12 tournament. They've been playing, playing well lately. And I think actually they're going to have some benefit from leaving the Big 12 because their style that they play, they've been number one defensively in the nation while playing the style that basically every team in the Big 12 has copied. So everybody sees that style and they're still able to execute it better than everybody else. So, you know, if they play a team like, I don't know, Alabama or whoever, 
uh, they're going to go, what, what is this? You know, th- these teams don't play this in the SEC. What, what, what is this kind of wacky style, no middle sort of stuff that's going on here? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm probably more chalky here than most, uh, but I, I would definitely take Gonzaga to sail through here. Uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I think, to me, how I see it, um, last year the cheers were more closer to Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. And that's why I had him in my final, my bracket. This year, to me, it's Gonzaga on its own tier and everybody else. So um, I, I think they'll, they'll be just fine. And this one should make the final four. Yeah, I think that's interesting. To me, it feels more wide open than years past. Like Gonzaga does not feel as dominant to me as last year, but still definitely up there. And I, and I think that's a good point is, uh, you know, they're clearly the strongest one seed. And I don't think their path is as easy as we saw it last year. I remember when Gonzaga's, bracket came out their portion of the bracket last year a lot of the teams in that region had played and beaten having duke in this region as a team that managed to beat them earlier every year is certainly interesting and as good as that offense is i think if they were to somehow meet texas tech uh, in an elite eight here i think that's a team that could keep them from advancing to a final four like you mentioned a really great defense there from texas tech that i think is just going to cause some teams trouble in the tournament uh definitely some interesting matchups there i think like i mentioned i could see whoever wins a playing game between Rutgers and notre dame i I would think Rutgers would beat that beat notre dame i don't know that notre dame should necessarily gotten into the tournament they're one of the teams that i was kind of back and forth on i would but i could see Rutgers beating alabama um michigan state a potential matchup between michigan state and Duke could be very interesting and a matchup between Tom Izzo and Coach K in his final year. What matchup, what matchup possibility intrigues you the most here, John? Well, like you mentioned, I think uh, going back to what you were talking about at first about Alabama, they're such a up and down team all year. I saw them in the SEC tournament at a 15 point lead on Vanderbilt, ended up giving that away at the end and losing the game. That's kind of the way they've been all year. They're, they're feast and famine with their three point shooting. So I agree with you. I could see Rutgers or Notre Dame uh, beating Alabama in that first round game. I'm like uh, Jesse. I like I like Gonzaga in this region uh, a lot. Um, you know, I saw Arkansas playing the SEC tournament. They played really well until they played Texas A&M. They kind of ran into that buzzsaw there. They they're a team that's played real well. Eric Musselman showed last year he knows how to coach in the tournament. I think they're kind of a dangerous team uh, sitting there. But I like I'm like you guys talked about on the podcast before. And uh, Jesse talked about Texas Tech. I like Texas Tech. Uh, I agree 100% with Jesse. They're a team that plays a style that when you play them in the tournament and you're not used to seeing that style, how are you going? How are you going to react to that? Um, I think I'm picking Gonzaga to come out of this region, but I, I expect Texas Tech to to go far as well. So. Uh, to me, those I don't. I know I said on your uh, podcast before, Lila, that I I had the feeling that Duke somehow would find a way to get into the Final Four, but I don't. UNCL kind of talked me out of that. I don't see that happening, especially in this, uh, especially in this region, the way it's set up and the way Duke has been playing of late. So I'm like Jesse. I, I look for Gonzaga to to come out of this region. Jesse, if we see a, a matchup between Duke and Michigan State, who do you think wins that? Well, honestly, um, both teams are a little bit overseeded. Uh, you know, Michigan State actually is um, their like resume numbers have gone above their 
quote best numbers over the course of this year. So they've been a team that you know, like historic or, you know, throughout the weeks in my AP poll, I've had them not quite as high as other people out there, but um, it would be a good game, honestly. And, you know, that would be an emotional game. You, you know, those guys respect each other. And um, Tom Izzo, I'm sure was not loving it when he saw that side of it. I mean, he's going to want to win the game. There's no question about that, but I'm, I'm not sure he wants to be the guy that, that knocks coach K out of his, his final NCAA tournament, but um, yeah, it would be competitive. It would be a good one. And um, you know, one of those deals, probably Michigan state be 30, 35% to win it. And um, that would be the primetime game on uh, whichever day that is Saturday or Sunday. There's definitely the TV cameras are going to follow that one. And the eight, nine in this region intrigues me as well between Boise state and Memphis, Memphis, you know, look like there's no way they were going to make the tournament earlier in the season with all the different drama they were having, uh, you know, just it's kind of crazy that they're in, but they went on that run towards the end of their season. They're able to beat Houston twice. Boise State won a really good Mountain West conference this year that I think was the best mid-major conference. I mean, because, you know, WCC, you obviously have Gonzaga, but in terms of just kind of having – really good competition between different teams, really good games, having kind of top to bottom, not top to bottom, but just kind of having those top four teams all really being in competition with each other. I really like the Mountain West. Do you guys have, do either of you have any thoughts on Boise State or Memphis? Yeah, that's an interesting matchup, as you said. In Memphis, you know, like you said, they uh, it seemed like after Penny Hardaway went off on the media, they finally got their act together and started playing mm-hmm. better. I know he kind of, he kind of changed some lineup and uh, changed some rotation, and that helped them as well. But they're another team. They're kind of like Alabama. What are you going to get? Are they going to get the, you know, are you going to get the high-level Memphis in the tournament? Or are you going to get the Memphis that's been so up and down all year? It's a re- So I like Boise State in that matchup as well because I think they've just been more consistent. You kind of know what you're going to get with Boise State. I'm not so sure with Memphis. Yeah, that could be a fun one in the first match or the first round, but I'm just so enamored with Gonzaga. It's like I can't turn my gaze elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever team wins is going to lose to Gonzaga. So uh, that, that's right. about all I have to say about it. <laughs> We're going to take a quick word from our sponsors. Make the big moments possible with First Federal Bank of Kansas City's March Rate Special. Earn 0.55 annual percentage yield when you open a new 11-month certificate of deposit. Already bank with us? Get started by depositing $25,000 in new funds. New to First Federal? Join us with a $1,000 deposit. Learn more at ffbkc.com moments and meet our team at any banking center to open your account today. Visit ffbkc.com moments for more. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Because banking is personal. Member FD I see. So then we'll move on here to the South region of a bracket. The number two overall seed, the second uh, first seed is Arizona 31 and three, just such an impressive job by Tommy Lloyd in his first year there. I think they're one of the most fun teams to watch in this tournament, just high flying, lots of dunks and just such a fun team to watch play. Tommy Lloyd is known as a guy that really is good at scouting talent and it's apparent from that roster. So Arizona is going to be the one seed in the South region. You've got Villanova as the two seed, Tennessee as a three seed there, Illinois as the four seed. Uh, and then you've got Houston, which Jesse mentioned he thought was a little bit underseeded as the five seed there. And, you know, if you guys are listening and following along, we'll have the bracket 
in the article online so you can follow along and we'll have a link to the podcast as well or you can pull it up on your phone to follow along with us here. John, who do you like in the South region? What intrigues you the most about this section of the bracket? Well, this may have something to do with recency bias, but I really like Tennessee after watching them in the watch them in the tournament and at the end of the year. To me, that got a couple of things that you really need to have. And one is uh, obviously guard play. They've got three really good ball handlers in Kennedy Chandler, Santiago Vescovi, and Zakai Ziegler. Chandler was the most valuable player in the SEC tournament. I know people get on Rick Barnes and his team's underperform in the in the NCAA tournament, uh, but I think this team's a little different uh, for Tennessee. Uh, they're a really good defensive team, and they finally got their act together offensively towards the end of the year. So I really like uh, I like Tennessee in this region. I think it'd be interesting if it's a Tennessee Arizona uh, matchup because Tennessee beat Arizona early in the year in Knoxville. It was a game where Tennessee got off to a big start in that game, and Arizona came on at the end. Uh, and made it a close game. Uh, but I think that would be an interesting matchup uh, as well. The, uh, to me, overall, I think this is a really interesting region with Arizona, Tennessee, Villanova, the way they have played. I mean, I, I, I wonder about Villanova offensively, but I think they're I think they're a really good defensive team. Uh, and then you've got Houston, uh, Jesse, as Jesse's talked about. I think this is an interesting region. Yeah, who, I, I agree with that. I think Tennessee is really interesting and a, a team that I hadn't really been sold on all year, but just lately I've, you know, being able to watch them live and then see on this run that they've been able to go on their only loss since the start of February was to Arkansas on February 19th on the road. That was a 10 point loss to, you know, like we mentioned, a really good Arkansas team right now. They're ranked third overall in the country in defensive adjusted defensive efficiency in Ken Palm, and they've got a top 40 offense there as well. As you mentioned, really good guard play, and I'm interested to see with kind of having some young guards there, how that all works and if they're able to get the pieces to fit together. So, I mean, we kind of talked about Tennessee a little bit before, but Jesse, do you like Tennessee there? Do you like Arizona? Who do you, who do you like in this part of the bracket? Or Houston, I guess, Houston. Yeah, first off, this is the Jesse bracket because when you fill out an AP poll, it it seems like every week you kind of get a sense for which teams you're higher on than Mm -hmm. most. And I think the one through six seeds are all teams that the analytics have loved more than the resume for the course of the season. I mean, you talk about Arizona, I've had higher. Villanova, I've had higher. uh, You know, Illinois uh, on the the four line. Uh, Tennessee has been, you know, they've been loved by advanced numbers up to this point in the season. And then Houston. Uh, so I guess one through five because Colorado State doesn't go in that discussion, but Ohio State is the seven seeds the same way. So, yeah, this is like the Jesse bracket. I mean, I, I love a lot of these teams. I think it's a shame um, for them that they got to got stuck with each other. I'll, I'll stick with Houston, man. I, I I'm, I'm really shocked that they got a five seed. I, I don't know what really led to that, but I don't think the difference between them and the one and two seeds and three seeds in this bracket are that much. And so um, it's a tall task. Like I love Arizona. I mean, I, I think they're the second best team in the country, but I think when they play Houston, in the two sixteen, it's going to be a three point Vegas spread, you know? And, and if it's a three point Vegas spread uh, that means Houston's a pretty good team and there's a chance that they could win it. And, you know, you can't pick all one seats here. So um, I hate this region for Houston, but I, I love the Cougars. So, um, but like I said, I'm high on those top five teams to start with anyway. I mean, if it was Illinois, I could see it. Tennessee has been great even before this week. 
Uh, Villanova has had underlying numbers even they struggled even as they struggled with some losses early in the season. And like picking against Arizona just feels dumb because they've been so good all year and they are the favorite to come out of this bracket. But like I said, you got to mix it up a little bit. So I love the Cougars. I think I can make another final four uh, second consecutive year and uh, I'll stick with them for my bracket pick here. So, you know, when people are filling out their brackets at home, doing bracket challenges, you know, a big thing is always trying to pick those first round upsets. And I think one of the team you mentioned, Illinois, you know, they were subject to, you know, kind of being knocked out by a team last year when people thought they could go to final four. And I kind of see a potential for something similar happening here. You covered Silvio de Sosa at, at Kansas Chattanooga. There is the 13 seed where he is now with Illinois. You think there's any chance for an upset there? Well, always a chance. And uh, you know, that's kind of the danger you have when you are a four seed is that, uh, you're facing teams that are not going to be crazy behind you. And uh, Chattanooga is that way. You know, they're from a smaller conference, but some of their numbers, you're looking at it and um, the way that they rebound the basketball, obviously with Silvio, a pretty good offensive team, balanced because they have a decent defense. They obviously needed some big-time help against Furman, uh, a crazy, crazy buzzer-beating shot at the start of championship week to get there. But, yeah, I mean, if you're Illinois and you've had a good season, the really the last thing you want is to go in, and I haven't seen the Vegas spread, but I'm guessing that they're going to be favored by about – six points or so uh, in that first round game, probably about 70% to win and 70% is not hundred percent. So it's definitely possible for Illinois to lose that particular game. And yeah, of all these teams, that might be the one that's kind of unfortunate because you look around in their bracket and you're like, Oh, no nights off. And that includes that first game against Chattanooga. That'll be a fun battle down low too uh, with Kofi Coburn. I think in that game, do you see any potential for upsets here in this, in this region, John? Well, yeah. I mean, I like uh, uh, it, I like uh, as you mentioned. I think Chattanooga's got a shot against Illinois. They're another team that's kind of been up and down. When they're playing at their best, they're hard to beat, but uh, they can be a little flighty as well. Uh, Ohio State really struggled towards the end of the year. Uh, I like Loyola in that game mm-hmm. just because Loyola is a tournament tested team. Uh, they they kind of like Baylor. Not quite to that degree, but they seem like in the past few years they're in the tournament time after time, and they know how to win tournament games. So, uh, if I had to pick one upset in that first round, I would pick Loyola over Ohio State. Yeah, that was one that kind of stood out to me as well as as just a game where you know what Loyola does when it comes to tournaments. It just seemed like a matchup as soon as you saw it, where you know they could easily get a win there. Like you mentioned, Ohio State has been on a bit of a decline there. I think if you said several weeks ago that they'd be as low as a seven seed, you'd kind of think you, you were a little bit crazy, but just, you know, ended the season, couldn't even get 20 wins and ended 19 and 11 after, you know, being ranked in, in the top 15 at a certain point in the year. So that'll definitely be interesting there as well. The eight and nine matchups always make for a good game. You'll have Seton Hall, TCU there. I'm going to go with, with TCU. Um, I think they've been more tested being in the Big 12. And I've been just really impressed with the job that Jamie Dixon has has done there with having a lot of transfers coming in and, and roster turnover and doing an impressive job there. What have you thought of TCU, Jesse, as someone who's seen them in the Big 12? Well, they're good at what they do. Um, you know, Jamie Dixon's team, they 
they try really hard and they're really, really good on the offensive glass. And a guy like Eddie Lampkin inside has really emerged for them late to be able to kind of um, solidify them and, and that sort of mindset with their game. They've got a lead guard in Mike Miles, who's not super efficient, but he'll shoot the tough shots. He'll make some of them and he'll actually, you know, put the ball up on the glass so that the rest of his teammates can go get it. They can't make a three. I mean, that's a big problem, you know, at this point mm-hmm. in the year. Uh, you would love to be able to score three points at a time because 80% of the teams, 90% of the teams left can do that. So uh, that would be my concern for them. Uh, but yeah, uh, a good team. Jamie Dixon deserves credit and to, you know, survive the big 12 this year and be able to get the wins that he did. Uh, obviously that's a, a really good tip of the cap to him and able to get to the tournament and make it in, in this particular year. And you mentioned that Villanova has been a team that you have been high on kind of a team in a similar boat with UCLA where they've kind of underperformed a little bit in terms of, you know, preseason expectations, but still on that two seed line and, and, you know, coached by Jay Wright have the potential to make a run. What is it about Villanova that you like? Well, I, I mean, I just think early in the season, especially they had a few losses in close games. And usually that's kind of when everybody sort of starts to dismiss somebody and uh, obviously didn't win uh, their conference this year. So um, people can take that for what it's worth as well. But, you know, the, the numbers are still like them overall. And, and some of that is being buoyed by, hey, this is Jay Wright. This is Villanova. Um, if you had success in the past, it means you're probably going to maintain success in the future. And I think the second half of their season proved that out that, yeah, they kind of came back to the level we expect them to be. So, yeah, they, they're just another one of those teams in the bracket where it's like, I like them. I like mm-hmm. them. But, uh, you know, you can't like six teams from the same region. So uh, that makes it very difficult to pick a Final Four. But, you know me, I've, I've had Houston. I've been on there, the biggest bandwagoner of them. I think I, I had them third in my AP poll this week. So, um, you know, if, if I'm not going to pick them here, then I guess I'm not a, a true bandwagon guy. Then. Yeah, so Villanova right now in Ken Palm, number eight in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency 28th in defense so that's always a good indicator there they have the the best free throw shooting team in the country shooting it at 82 percent that's always important at this time of year and they've got experienced guards and a guy like Colin Glepsey which is always very very important in March and so if you were to see a matchup between Villanova and Tennessee that'll be interesting because like I said before Tennessee is led by those freshman guards so I think that could be a really interesting matchup that has unfolded just to kind of end on that part of a region John seeing a guy like Kennedy Chandler live how do you think he would fare against uh, against Villanova's guards if that matchup were to happen well they played early in the year and Villanova mm-hmm. beat beat them pretty soundly uh if I, if I remember correctly I think it was like 71 53 or something like that yeah, on a neutral 53 yeah on a neutral floor but Tennessee was a different team than Chandler was obviously a uh he was a freshman just starting out he's gotten much better since then uh really Tennessee one of the big things that happened with Tennessee happened midway through the year when Rick Barnes decided to go big and he started uh, the freshman Huntley along with Plavzik as a center and started bringing Fulkerson in off the bench. And uh, that kind of turned him around with that combination with those guards. So I think it would be a completely different game, probably for both teams when, if Tennessee and Villanova were to match up in the tournament that they played early in the year. But uh, I think both of them, like you, like you, both of you, both of you all mentioned have strong guard play, which obviously is important this time of year. And then the last region of the bracket, the Midwest, Kansas as the one seed, Auburn as the two seed, Wisconsin as a three seed, 
Providence at the, at the four and Iowa at the five. Jesse, you wrote about why this is such, you know, an ideal kind of scenario for Kansas kind of aligned with what you wrote they should be hoping for of what they'd want to see in their region. Could you kind of explain that a bit and why, uh, you know, Kansas kind of got a favorable side of a bracket here? Yeah, we just talked about how all these other regions, everybody's looking around going, when, where, where did all these good teams come from? Well, they all came from not the Midwest is, is what <laughs> happened, you know, and they, they basically shoveled them all away from the Midwest. But what I'm talking about, so I, I don't want to sit here and talk about how Auburn's a bad team or Wisconsin's a bad team, all those sorts of things. What I'm talking about is the committee looks a lot at resume. What did you do? Um, how well did you do with your schedule, the quality of wins you have? And a lot of times what that means is, did you win close games? What we know over the course of time is, that winning close games is usually luck, okay? So a team like Wisconsin wins a bunch of close games. It's great for their resume, but doesn't say great things about maybe ahead what they might be. So if you look at Kansas's region here in the Midwest, almost every team in there fits that description, you know, other than Kansas, which is Auburn. Um, you know, not as impressive analytically as far as the best teams goes as it is from a resume standpoint. Uh, and that's something that's Happened from early in the season. I mean, I ranked them really low compared to other people early in the season uh, when they were starting to be closer to number one. And it turns out they kind of fell back into that nine to 10 range with everybody else. Uh, Wisconsin is the same way. I, I mean, they're outside, they're outside the top 25 in Ken Palm. So another team that like the resume is great, but the team quality is not as good. And what that means is Kansas, every team they're going to face here in this region, KU is going to be a favorite. Now, does that guarantee them winning? No, it doesn't, but that's better than the alternative. Like we're talking about with Kentucky or Baylor or whoever, where you're getting to a coin flip game at some point in your region, just to get to the final four while everybody else is kind of knocking each other out in other regions. So that's what I'm talking about there. And uh, so if you're talking about the very top teams in there, I, I think honestly, Kansas, um, other than Kansas, I'd say Auburn and Iowa are the two best teams left um, and might have to face one in the sweet 16, one in the elite eight, but Kansas cannot have any complaints about this bracket. It's as good as they could have hoped for. And you've written about this too as well, that, and I think we mentioned this the first time you were on the podcast about, you know, any concerns about Kansas's defense. I mean, certainly seeing them in the big 12 tournament, it seems like they've made some strides there. How do you see that paying dividends down the line now as we get into March? Well, yeah, they've increased their defensive efficiency by 15 or 20 spots here just over the last week. And Bill Self had a quote yesterday at the selection show and uh, press conference that he had kind of talking about how for the first time this past weekend, KU was dictating defensively. They weren't just passive and waiting for the other team to come at them. I think part of this is they've been able to play two tiny guards more like they did earlier in the season. And that's going back to Remy Martin's health. You know, Remy Martin could get out there with Dewan Harris. And when that happens, they have that kind of the super speed quickness lineup that can deny passes, gives them a little bit more life, a little bit more energy. We know this Kansas team is as dangerous as anyone in the country when it comes to transition. So you speed teams up, you get steals, you get transition, all of it kind of goes hand in hand. And that's sort of what Kansas has lifted or has how Kansas has lifted itself here in this past week. Um, still some things ball screen wise that they screw up too often. And some of the communication there can be wonky. So still some things to clean up, but for them to be a top 25 ish defense is a lot different than them being a top 45 ish defense, which is what they were a week ago. So all those trends are heading in the positive direction for Kansas. Doesn't mean they're invulnerable, but it means you add that to an elite offense. You have a really good team. And then the second seed in that region, Auburn. Jo John, what are your thoughts on Auburn as someone who's covered the SEC and has seen them throughout the year? Auburn's really good at Auburn Arena. They're not so good outside of Auburn Arena. It's kind of been the book mm -hmm. on them. Uh, they were they were really bad in their loss to AM shooting the ball. 
uh, in the SEC tournament. It was, it was really weird in the SEC tournament. There were some horrific shooting halves <laughs> in the SEC tournament. Georgia, starting with Georgia, Georgia's really bad, but then you had Auburn, Arkansas. You had several teams that had really bad halves. They're not playing very well at the end of the year. Even Bruce Pearl uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was pretty candid in talking about his team saying, you know, this is not a perfect team. We have some flaws. We've been able to overcome those flaws. But like Jesse said, I think some of those kind of caught up to him at the end of the year. I don't like Auburn the way they're playing coming into coming into the tournament. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they can hit. They do have Jabari Smith, one of the best players in the country. Walker Kessler is definitely a factor with uh, his shot blocking. Uh, but and maybe they can hit the reset button. Maybe Bruce can get them, you know, get get them going again now that they're in the tournament. But I, I don't like the way they're trending coming into coming into the big dance. It's funny Bruce didn't talk about those flaws when I was the ballot that kept him off the number one seed or the number one overall ranking. So I'm glad he's admitting it now. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. it just took a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I've exactly. talked about this before. I think a huge key for the tournament is Jabari Smith, but it's also how they're going to play in late game situations with Je- Wendell Green and KD Johnson. You know, I love KD and the spirit he plays with, but there's been a lot of times late in games where he has the ball in his hands and is not, and is looking more so for his own shot than to create for others. And when you have guys like Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith that don't necessarily create their own shot, you need that guy to be finding, you need Wendell or KD to be finding those guys in late game situations. And I think that's going to be a huge tell and how far Auburn can go in this tournament is just kind of how their offense is handled and how well people fit into their roles. I think that's really been an issue for them. Yeah. I mean, KD was 0 for 14 against Texas A&M. Uh, in the tournament uh, where Jabari was four for 11. Uh, but, you know, watching the game, you know, we we're talking there, but, it, you know, KD, every time he shoots, he he could be over 12, but he thinks that 13th shot's going in and he thinks he deserves the 13th shot. Never mind if Jabari might be open on the wing. And Wendell Green, he's really, he had a really good stretch there where he had four deep threes, but he is not in the SEC tournament, but he's not shot the ball well down the stretch either. But I think you're exactly right, Lyle. Uh, Get their priorities in line offensively about who should be taking shots, where the ball needs to go to, especially in late-game situations, is going to be key if Bruce Pearl can get that straightened out. Right, and the three seed in there. And and honestly, like, I could see – I mean, I I think USC beats Miami in that 7-10 matchup there. And if they do, I could – you know, USC has not been great this year, but I could maybe see – you know, them finding a way to beat Auburn or to for Auburn to lose like in a second round or a lead eight, sweet 16, one of those matchups. I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, especially with Kansas in the region, I just don't really see them getting to a final four at this point. I think an elite eight is, is kind of their ceiling right now. Uh, Wisconsin, we talked about a little bit. Um, Jesse did their three seed, 24 and seven, led by Johnny Davis, who is the national player of the year candidate who has just been tremendous all year. So another kind of guard leading the way there that has potential to get out of there. And, you know, I I think that they're a team that you'll see make a sweet 16 just because of who they're matched up against. If they were to win that game, they then would face LSU or Iowa state and LSU. I mean, who knows what's really going to happen there because Will Wade is now out as head coach 
a lot of drama surrounding that program, and they'll go into the tournament led by an interim. I mean, what do you guys think when you have a team like that that's led by an interim or has gone through drama? Jesse, do you think that is something that they can rally around and kind of surprise some people, or do you think that's just going to ultimately be too much around the program that they're not able to really you know, do anything here in the tournament? Yeah, I won't give you the true sports writer answer, which is I'll just wait till it happens and then, you know, tell you exactly what the narrative should be with that. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you LSU is going to be favorite over Wisconsin if that matchup happens. Um, I, it doesn't matter about the coach. Does I mean, that players are still on the court um, and that LSU team has been really good over the course of the season when it comes to meeting opponents. Their defense has been elite for most of the year, too. Um, maybe it'll be a pick Maybe it'll get to that. But uh, I, I will say this about Auburn. I just said I love KU's path. I might love Auburn's path on the bottom half better than KU's. Like I, I think Auburn potentially facing either Wisconsin or LSU is better than KU facing either Iowa or Providence. I think Iowa is a much better team than either one of those other two teams I just mentioned, either LSU um, or Wisconsin. So I actually um, this it it guys get ready. Um, I don't know if you know this. Auburn fans don't like me that much. Um, I think it's going to be Auburn and Kansas in the Elite Eight. And I'm going to be there covering the game. And I think about 6,000 of my closest Auburn friends are going to be there seeing me too. So hopefully they'll want selfies. Hopefully they don't bring tomatoes. But I, I think we're barreling down the tracks of that happening in the Elite Eight. I think that's what we need. I think we need, you know, you to get some Auburn selfies in there. Only if they want them and uh, only if they are nice and leave the brass knuckles at home, you know. <laughs> And this is maybe not that popular of a take. I, I don't know, but I, I think I've liked Providence more than I know Jesse has. I, I do think that they've been well coached in late game situations as much as some people might say that that's luck. I do have liked them there in some, but a first round matchup in that region with South Dakota State, a, a team that leads the country in effective field goal percentage, leads the country in three point percentage just have a lot of guys that can shoot the ball really, really well. Their defense is not good. Their defense is 220th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, but their offense can light some people up. And if Providence is having a day where they're not shooting it as well, I could maybe see an upset there. John, do you see any, any potential for an upset there or anywhere else in the Midwest region? No, I do. I like South Dakota state in that one. Uh, I like the Jackrabbits against Providence. I think their luck runs out in that. I'm, I'm like Jesse, though. I think the better – I like Kansas to win this bracket, but I think the better teams are in the Kansas portion of the bracket. I think Kansas mm-hmm. and I were the two best teams. You know, it's funny about you know, about LSU. LSU's got – you've seen them while. They've got talent. They can play. They can play defensively. They've been through this before because Will Wade was suspended when uh, LSU was in the NCAA tournament before, but this is a different set of players. My question is, uh, whose head's going to roll next in the SEC? We had Tom Crean go down. The next day, Quanzo Martin goes down. The next day, Will Wade goes down. Then on Sunday, we get that crazy news that Mike White's leaving Florida for Georgia. And now today, we find out Frank Martin is out at South Carolina. Uh, who's who's going to be next to go in the right. SEC, Lila? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely going to be crazy how all of that shakes out with the job search, I feel like maybe you could see something from Mississippi State or Ole Miss. I, I don't know. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I would not be surprised to see, you know, something happen with either of those, but definitely going to be interesting with how the coaching cycle plays out over the 
the, the tournament and, and throughout this time is certainly going to be interesting to watch. Jesse, do you have any thoughts on South Dakota State? I mean, you mentioned it with their three-point shooting. I mean, my thoughts are, if you told me that the Ken Palm 49th-ranked team was facing the Ken Palm 71st-ranked team on a neutral floor, I'd say either team's going to win. It's close to a coin flip. And that's what we're talking about with Providence and, and South Dakota State. I mean, two-point favorite, three-point favorite, something like that. I mean, this is not a crazy upset if it happens. This isn't mm-hmm. like, oh, my goodness gracious. It's like, yeah, that's basketball. So that's what happens with Providence. And uh, you're you're entitled to like them in close games. But when they win so many close games like that, that's what they look like in a setting when they're not playing an amazing schedule and they're kind of squeaking by against teams they should beat much better, or at least better teams usually beat much better. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I could absolutely see that upset happening. Only I, the only pushback I'd have is it wouldn't be that big of an upset because we know better nowadays. And we know that uh, those two teams, if that's where they rank in Ken Palm, then on a neutral floor, it's not that big of an upset. And just so everyone knows that's listening, South Dakota State has not lost a game since December 15th. They've won every single one of their games since December 20th when they beat UMKC, Kansas City. So, I mean, that that's a team that is on a roll there, and, and that's certainly going to be a fun matchup to watch. Okay, guys, so we, we talked about a lot of these teams. Is there anything I didn't hit on that you guys – want to touch on any anything you think that people should know filling out their bracket well i'll start um first off i think you have to determine on bracket what you're doing like are you just doing this to say to your friends that you did a great bracket or are you doing this to win money in your pool (laughs) if you are a kansas fan listening to this and trying to win money in a pool and you're doing with people in this area do not take kansas you will not win money because everybody's taking kansas Take Iowa, take Auburn, take somebody else. That way you're going to win money when Kansas loses at whatever point they do. And if, especially if they lose early, you're definitely going to win money in your bracket. But having said all that, um, I have Kansas fifth in my AP poll this week. So I'm not like the highest on them. I think they ended up third, but I like them here. I, I, I like them better than the other teams. And I think their path is, is shaped up to be pretty nice. And one upset, like one upset taking out Iowa or somebody taking out Auburn. I mean, one upset potentially could completely clear their path to make the final four. So I love their setup here. I know San Diego state, we didn't mention them, but a lot of Lincoln athleticism, that's given KU some problems. John can talk about that. Cause that KU Kentucky game and Allen Fieldhouse, that was kind of the key narrative is that Kentucky really beat Kansas with athleticism. If you look back to last year's NCAA tournament, USC, same sort of thing could run, could jump really took Kansas out of what I wanted to do. So San Diego state could be a tough matchup in that regard, uh, but KU still should be a seven, eight, nine point favorite of that game. And that's one you should take care of. So Overall, again, that sounds like a homer pick, but I like Kansas to make it out of there. And and if there is that one upset that it knocks out Iowa or Auburn, that thing really opens up for. John, not just this region, but any of the regions or, or bracket strategy, do you have any tips for our listeners listening at home? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Jesse. I think a one, one uh, upset in any region can kind of have a domino effect and change how things look. To me, overall, and I think uh, I think maybe Clark Kellogg was the one who said this yesterday on the selection show. I think the transfer portal has changed things so that I, I don't think any team is this year is as good as Gonzaga and Baylor was last year. I think Gonzaga mm-hmm. they're my pick to win it, but I don't think they're as good as they were last year. But I think there are there are more good teams this year, and I think the transfer portal has had something to do with that. You take a team like Kentucky. 
with Cal Perry uh, going out and get Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady and Oscar Shibway, guys who played important roles, made them so much better than they were before. And it's not just Kentucky, other teams as well. So I think it's a more balanced bracket overall because of that. So, uh, and this goes back to Jesse's point. I think because of that, it just takes one or two upsets in a region that really changes because I, like I said, at the start of the pocket, so much of about it, so much of it is about matchups and, uh, and that could really change the matchup. So, uh, I'm like Jesse, I think Gonzaga is the best team, but you know, who knows what's going to happen once they get out there and maybe a couple of dominoes fall that we don't expect to fall. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, I, there's a, I could see, you know, possibly even Arkansas possibly upsetting them early. I think I would still, you know, if you're picking your bracket would go with Gonzaga there, but I, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's wide open this year. And with that in mind, if you're picking your bracket at home, I would mix in your fair share of upsets there. Obviously not as many as you get further on, but I think we even saw last year with UCLA as a first four team getting into the final four. I mean, obviously we kind of knew Baylor Gonzaga was going to win it all year, but then you had Oral Roberts as another team that went far. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of chances for intrigue and upset. Actually, my favorite bracket that one of my friends does is it, it weighs the chances of if you pick a lower seed and they get an upset, you get more points. Kind of <laughs> one of those crazy college basketball brackets. But we'll end things as we always do with our final four picks. Now those are going to probably change than they have in the past because we have a bracket in front of us I guess I'll kind of you know kick it off here with mine out of the west I'm going to have Gonzaga like I said I could maybe see Arkansas getting an upset there but ultimately I, I think Gonzaga is going to get out of it there just so much experience so much talent I, I think they'll you know have a pretty easy time there out of the east I'm gonna go with Kentucky I've really liked them this year and I, I love the experience that they have great guard play. Then you've got a dominant guy like Oscar Sheboy down low. So that's who I'm going to have there. Then out of the Midwest, I, I've got to go with Kansas like Jesse. And we have talked about, I think they have a great path. And then I'm going to have Tennessee coming out of the South region. I think you'll get a really great, possibly great game between Arizona and Tennessee. And, and I see Tennessee being able to pull it out there. Uh, yeah, but so those are going to be my final four teams. I'm going to go with Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kansas, and Tennessee. Definitely not what I had kind of earlier in the year, but you get a bracket and things change. Jesse, now that you have a bracket in front of you, who are your final four picks? Yeah, real quickly. I mean, I, I said them earlier, but I, I feel most confident about Gonzaga and Kansas because I like their pass better and with Gonzaga specifically. Uh, it's good for talk radio to disagree a little bit. I disagree with you, Lila. I think Gonzaga's better. Uh, they're better than everybody else, and I'm happy to take them and not even worry about them in, in a game like against Arkansas. So uh, happy to take those two. The other two regions, um, you know, it, I think it's just unfortunate that uh, some of these other teams I really like, like Baylor and Arizona, are, are stuck with difficult opponents. So uh, I said earlier, but I'll take Kentucky and I'll take Houston. Uh, that's not a knock on Baylor and Arizona, but – I've loved Houston all year, and I think that Kentucky um, is probably not going to be chosen by as many people out there as, as should in their bracket just because of the people around them because they're not number one seed. So our final fours are very similar, uh, but I feel better about the first two than I do the last two. What about you, John? Where are you at with your final four? 
I've got Gonzaga, and then I'm one of those people that Jesse just talked about that should pick Kentucky, but it's not going to pick Kentucky. I'm <laughs> picking Baylor out of that region. I've got Tennessee, like you all, and I've got Kansas coming out of the other two regions. Yeah, so if you're listening at home, Gonzaga and Kansas, we all have those in, in our final four. Might be some wise picks there, guys. This is such an exciting time of year. If you guys aren't, I'm sure you guys are already following along with Jesse and John's work, but if you aren't, be sure to follow along with their work. It'll be linked in the podcast. They're going to be doing great coverage throughout the tournament covering Kentucky and Kansas, two teams we've talked about that definitely have what it takes to go far. So be sure to follow along with their work. Jesse, John, thank you guys so much for joining and good luck the rest of the way covering the tournament. Thanks for having me. Yep, thanks.